and welcome to Room Escape Divas. This week we are interviewing Game Master Russell Leisure. Woo! Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, we are now trying to make man pans crack at the beginning That's of the podcast. That's a terrible, terrible surprise. Yeah! Hello, my name is Errol. I'm Mike. I'm Vanda. And I'm Ruby. And we are the Room Escape Divas, and we love talking about escape rooms, and we're super excited. I mean, I, I probably sound excited every podcast. Yeah. A little bit. I, I, except until near the end, because then my voice kind of trails. Halfway through, Halfway actually. Halfway through. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. <laughs> but, but, but if you hear, did you hear that Mike and Ruby are here? <laughs> Mike and Ruby don't hate us. <laughs> I don't hate you. Well, I, a lot of stuff to do. Yeah, I know. In fact, Ruby right now is doing her homework project final project not homework <laughs> so Ruby. so so we have half our attention but that's okay she's still paying attention we yes and we are excited because russell leisure is here and he is a game why are you laughing at me <laughs> okay i've been having problems with russell's name because apparently russell is a hard name to say <laughs> along with leisure i've been saying it like russell leisure russell leisure <laughs> Why and don't we let him speak? We should. He Hi, is Russell. a game master. Hello, Russell. Why don't you give us an explanation of who you are? There you go. Oh, who I am? Who are you? Wow, that's a that is a deep question. Uh, uh, I feel like I need a philosophy. That's what people get that. at Room Escape Divas: deep questions and answers to your life. Oh boy. <laughs> um, oh boy. So yeah, I have game mastered for. I've actually game mastered and managed um, at different uh, different venues different escape room businesses and uh, i'm an enthusiast i've played uh, upwards of i think like 75 games at this point and i'm also going to be talking about my game master experience at the um escape room conference the trans world conference in nashville so and so if people haven't figured out I, did we say it at the very beginning that we are talking about game masters and they introduced him as a game master oh, okay but, but that will be the said what the main topic focus is, yeah. is that's okay it'll be in the title so we didn't really need to say I, that i anyway. think your i think your working title was either game masters anonymous or grunts and giggle <laughs> with oh errol with errol and man pan <laughs> so you have a great memory russell <laughs> thanks yes. for that oh and uh, a couple of episodes ago manda you kind of tipped your hand you play a lot of don't starve uh yeah. I, yeah. I, I play a lot of Arrow makes me play Don't Starve yeah. and yeah. I love ah. Don't Starve. I actually love you, any type of crafting survival game. I love those games. Actually if you ever want to play Don't Starve together, let me know. I yes. will. Oh yeah. I like <laughs> I like playing Don't Starve Together more than Don't Starve Alone. Because I starve quite quickly alone. <laughs> <laughs> I always you, uh, th- not for, that anybody forget- really cares what because they're listening to this podcast, but I always take the beaver. Because he's fun. And then my main goal oh. is just collecting wood for people. Yeah, we just go through swaths of forests that just have piles of wood for miles. Yes, yes. All, I do, all, it, all I do is destroy the ecology. That's, <laughs> that's my goal in every crafting game there is. Well, this is the first time I'm <laughs> hearing of this game. Really? I take, yeah. <laughs> I take Wigfred the Warrior, and inevitably what ends up happening is I end up biting, about a year in, I'll bite off more than I can chew and get everybody in my party killed. 
one of our party got us killed by when he set accidentally set fire to an animal who then ran through our camp and set oh, it on it fire horrible. in the middle of winter. He, yeah. <laughs> the, th- the thing is, when I do these games, I like to have a very structured base camp. Oh my gosh, yes. And Don't then, you dare put a, and put then like I'll a pine put cone in with chests, the rocks. And then I'll sort all the chests by, because I don't want to get rid of everything, so I sort it all, and then I put right. all the proper places. When I play Terraria, it's even worse. I make warehouses so that I can <laughs> store all my dirt. <laughs> Oh, wow. No, yes. he has like 20,000 dirt. Like, Don't you not want to collect dirt anymore? Well, it might I play be a lot of Terraria as well, actually. <laughs> anyway, I, we are so oh, off topic. So off topic. Yeah, totally yeah sorry. Off. I'm sorry. No, 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 that's okay. That was my fault, actually. No, I, whenever I, I get. Yeah, I start talking. I get excited about these games. <laughs> and then that's. So Me we. Too. It's okay. <laughs> we're going to talk about gaming. And as you said, you're going to do a, a talk. At Transworld in New Orleans, yeah. right? That's where it is? No, Nashville. Year? Oh, it's Nashville. Sorry, both starts with an N. I don't know where anything is. <laughs> and yeah, I'm really confused when it comes to these. And you are doing a whole seminar on game mastering. Yes, it's called um, How to Unlock Your Game Master's Potential. And I'm going to be talking about some of the things that I've learned that you can do to really take your experiences to the next level. And what owners should be looking at, like why game masters even exist, really, as an extension of that, like what you should be doing to both keep your game masters happy, keep your game masters on staff for as long as possible. And I'm even going to have I've reached out to an attorney who is going to be helping who's going to be there in the seminar um, to do like a Q&A towards the end for like legal questions about how should I categorize my employees? Because I know there's a lot of questions around you know, independent contractors or, you know, uh, legal employment law. So, yeah, she's going to be there to uh, answer questions about that. I can imagine when it comes to Game Masters, one of the more harder things is like, what happens if nobody comes that day and you've employed them? Or uh, So it's it's always a toss-up like do they come in do i call them and tell them they have or don't have work i don't know how that works with some some companies where they don't know for sure if somebody's going to come in so what i've what i've experienced is two things so um i know that some businesses just have you come in anyway and if there's nobody scheduled for that day then you will do things like manage social media um, a lot of times you'll have projects that are kind of on the back burner. Like, like cleaning maybe... the bathrooms. What? Well, that happens every day. One would hope. <laughs> good good One answer. One would hope. <laughs> <laughs> but um, for instance, you know, if you're gonna if you're planning for a future room, you might need uh, lighting wired up. So we, uh, a lot of our lights were kind of like wired into our this Arduino. I was taught, you know, really basic soldering and wiring so that if during downtime, I would just go in the back and... Uh, solder wires together oh that's kind of for cool. lights and stuff like that so that's uh without getting too much into like like specifically you know what i would recommend because this is actually a super complex issue um other people do on call where you know you can go home and then if somebody books you'll like maybe get a notification on your phone and then you have to come in mm. but um in, in speaking to to the attorney that's actually a super duper complex area where there's a lot of consideration like how free is that time really Mm. um so a lot of owners need uh should really take a i I recommend that they speak to an attorney about it because what they're doing in terms of having their employees all on call might be illegal in certain cases because they're if they're not being paid for that time then um the f fsla i think 
Fair Standards Labor Act. Yeah, FSLA re- regulates that sort of thing. And if you keep them in the basement just chained to the wall, that's probably illegal, too. <laughs> that is actually so. an OSHA thing. Wow. I did ask her about that. Oh. She said that was generally bad. I can imagine keeping them happy and legal. And so you're approaching it, which is a good thing, from how to manage game masters as opposed to how to be a good game master. Or maybe you're covering both. I, I am. Yeah, I do cover both. Um, and there's a lot of different things, you know, depending on the specific business and what the business wants to accomplish with their game masters. You know, you're going to approach it in different ways. Um, basically, my my I'm starting from the premise of, you know, a game master is there for two things. Number one, to make everything run as smoothly as possible. And number two, to deliver a personalized and customized experience that is that is tailored to the to the group that you're playing for um in group in in area number one which is making it run as smoothly as possible a lot of that can actually be automated i don't know if you guys have played five wits oh yes errol has now. So, <laughs> actually the five wits i played that. had a gm in it too yeah so um some of them do have GMs, but a lot of times they uh, in in the in the one that I played, and I actually asked Matt about this. You know, they they've moved away from GMs, and they and, and it's and it's almost all automated, um, and it works. Like their latest one, um, Drago's Castle, is pretty much just automated, right? I mean, they have this guy sitting in a control panel in the back, sort of monitoring a lot of different games, but you know, the majority of that is just automated now you're not going to have that super personalized experience and uh, um but it but it just depends on what you what you as the business want from your game masters so that's that's where i start from and then i, I kind of get more detailed and give specific like tips tricks and uh, advice from there i think the hardest thing with game masters is the consistency automation makes more sense because you can at least guarantee the same game experience with every game if it's automated and there are no humans involved. But once you have a game master, you don't know how it's going to be. You might get the bored guy who you doesn't might, want yes, anything to do with the this. The one that doesn't <laughs> want to be there. So I think the, a good question I have is like, how do you find uh, a really good game master that is excited about giving the best experience possible for the players? The... <laughs> My simplest answer and the one that I think is the most direct is find somebody that really loves to DM Dungeons and Dragons. Uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, because, you know, those are people that are that are dedicated to making sure their player their players have the most the most enjoyment possible. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, outside of that, uh, there are a couple of other things I could recommend and that I do recommend in a seminar. But beyond that, it's you know, finding somebody that is good at working in groups. Um, I've not, I've never tested this in like sort of a laboratory setting. Um, you know, like there's no statistical rigor in this, but I have a strong feeling that people that make good servers, um, for like at restaurants, because they're really good at handling stress and making customers happy would also in, in some cases would be good, uh, game masters, right? It's all about being able to put your own your own enjoyment not put it aside because you're getting enjoyment from 
their enjoyment, right? When I know that I've made a group just have the time of their lives, I feel better. Mm -hmm. Uh, So finding that person is, that's the kind of uh, GM that you really want. I mean, you can teach the solutions to your puzzles, right? As long as they understand basic logic and the basic game flow, they don't need to be like the best room escaper ever. No, no. Um, Very true. They, But they need to be good at handling people. And then probably I would also think they'd have to be good with attention to detail so that the resets would be... I am actually would be horrible at that. My attention to detail, and unless they were my own puzzles, if it was somebody else's... I was going to say, like, the, the train, you were pretty meticulous. Yeah, I, I think but... it's, it's... I'm meticulous with my own puzzles, and I understand it. If it was somebody else's puzzles, it's like, this key goes here, well, I'd probably forget it. It'd be... <laughs> I'd be so bad. I'd need a checklist every single time. The good news is uh, we do have checklists. Um, well, most places have checklists that you can take into the room. Uh, side note, please don't leave the checklist in the room. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the good news for you, Errol, is if you ever wanted to be a game master, as we move towards like higher tech room, generally speaking, the higher tech a room is, the simpler its reset is because instead of, you know, okay, make sure these items are in this chest, then lock it with this specific padlock and then make sure, you know, you, you mix up the numbers. It's all right, put this, put this item in this compartment, close the door, you know, because it's, it's all like mag lock based. And, um, sometimes it's just a matter of closing compartment because sometimes a compartment will open and just reveal information to you. So it's just a matter of closing the, the, open compartment right so as as rooms get more high tech i found that they get easier to reset now i think anytime i do an escape room sometimes i ask the gm how long it takes to reset the escape room when it's a high tech one i don't really ask that question because i could probably tell that it doesn't take that long but sometimes when there's just a whack of stuff in there then i'm always interested how long does it take you to reset this room like 10 combo logs. <laughs> yeah, well, no, I don't know. Is there a, a standard that people should at least shoot for for reset times? I think like, it depends on how much time they're buffering between games to allow themselves that time, right? Mm-hmm. So if they're only allowing like 15 minutes, I would hope that they can reset in five in case there's something that goes wrong. Definitely. Um, so it, it 100% depends on the room. There are some rooms that... Uh, uh, there are some rooms that I've ran where I know that I can reset them in, you know, five minutes and it's easy. Um, and then there are other rooms where there's just so many moving parts and so many things that you have to. And this is even in the same the same company, same venue. You can have reset times of like five minutes versus, you know, t- eight to ten minutes. Uh, and what you really what you really don't want to do is mess up the reset. It's better to not reset at maximum speed and like forget something like forget to lock something then it is to just take a little bit longer right because a lot of times you know it's it's actually really good for us when a group gets out early because that then that kind of gives us extra reset time um and yes i will admit i if we are running on a tight schedule i I will kind of give a group of couple of not like I'm not trying to like shove them through the room, but I'll try to do what I can to make sure they get out a little bit earlier to give to give a little bit of extra buffer time. And look, I I, I don't think I'm uh, I don't think that's unique in the industry. Um, 
I, a lot of these horror stories where they're like, oh, they just shoved us through the room and gave us the answer to everything. Like people say that. I, I have a feeling that's why that happened is because they were running behind schedule. Now, that's a bad experience and should not, you know, that should not be condoned. But I mean, it does happen. And I, I, that's a, it's a good argument for owners giving more buffer time between uh, between sessions. I don't know if I've heard that complaint in a long time. But then again, we really only talk to enthusiasts. So I don't know. Maybe you guys have. have You've heard that complaint in a long time? Uh, no. I mean, we've been through it. Where right? we've been rushed through a game? Yeah. It's Not like, rushed, yeah. but then we're like, wait. We get hints why that we, we get so many hints? Yeah, we get hints that we didn't really ask for. Yeah, it's and... like the walkie-talkie comes up all of a sudden. You guys might want to look in the chest. Oh, yeah. But, I, but for those, I mean, but still, I think a lot of those games, we still end like 15 minutes early. They just realize that, okay, yeah, they suck at searching. Uh, yeah, exactly. So like the, <laughs> all these things are missing yes. and they're like, they're going to take forever. They don't yeah. know what they're doing. Oh, they got the logic puzzle in like one minute. What the hell? Yeah. So I think, but I think that's good because it's easy to get frustrated with searching because... Well, it usually happens toward the beginning of the game for us. Yeah. If we're not getting the first puzzles, like those first searching puzzles, like, then that's uh, when they're like, okay, we don't want you to like, Stay stuck yeah. in this room the whole it's time. Sitting time. <laughs> it's sitting time. Yeah. Oh man, that's the worst. Um yeah, don't ever just have your group sitting and not doing anything. Because it, the more It's true. The the longer you sit in one spot and you have time to like think about things, in my experience, it, veteran players are a little bit better at this. A little bit, not a lot. But especially newer players that have maybe played like one or two escape rooms will go into like this zone in their mind where if when their solution isn't right, they rather than think like maybe try a different avenue or a different approach to solving this puzzle, they just add another layer of complexity. Like, <laughs> no, that's true. Very true. There's three lights in the room. So then what if I have to take this number and then divide it by three? And then there's 27 tiles on the ceiling and 27. That's three factors into 27 so then what if there's no, like they just go a whole and you kind of have to stop them and be like whoa 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 <laughs> slow down and so then inevitably what happens is that they convince themselves i need to break this prop to move forward yep yeah that's where they end up at and so if you let if you let them do that if you let them go on that track you know when they convince themselves that this prop has to open by gosh, they're going to open it. <laughs> I think I'm at the opposite end now after doing so many rooms where I almost won't go the higher level of difficulty because I don't expect it to be that hard. And then when it is, it, I'm like, oh, wow, what? Are you kidding me? And so <laughs> I, I will stay almost on the first level of easy and then, and then we'll lose or something like that. Or we'll ask for a hint. Or we'll ask for a hint. So going back a bit, actually, what did get you started as a game master? Did you see a job offer and, and just say, ah, that looks like fun? Or did you actively seek it out? Yeah, so, well, I, sort of a combination of, of all of the above. Uh, about a million years ago, or it feels like, um, I was sitting in the living room and reading Time magazine. And they had an article um, that this this lady had written about how she had gone through an escape room and I had never heard of escape room in my life. I think I read that article, same article, by the yeah. way. You're like twins. Yeah. yeah. And, um, I'm reading this article and I played the original like flash games, you know, back when I was in uh, grade school. Um, and, 
I said to my girlfriend, I was like, hey, have you heard of these? This sounds kind of cool. And she goes, oh my God, those are so fun. Do you want to go do one tomorrow? And I'm like, what? Okay. So the next day we drove into Atlanta and did like three escape rooms and it was off to the race. Now at that time, I was a department supervisor for uh, Toys R Us, rest in peace. And so, Mm. you know, once the writing was on the wall, this was a few years ago, but we could, as employees, we kind of knew the writing was on the wall. So I I had been kind of looking for other jobs. And when I saw an opening for Game Master, by that time, I had played like 25 games. And I was like, that sounds like the most fun job I've ever heard of. (laughs) So I, my first job was actually managing this location um, of escape room. So that was really fun. Nice. And what, uh, was there anything that surprised you about some of your first game mastering experiences and stuff? Whatever. I want to say how, how bad some people are at solving puzzles, but no, that's true. A lot that's, of the, we've, it's okay. We've, we've, we've run games. We are no longer shocked <laughs> yeah. at what people cannot figure out. Yes. It, like just mind blowing. It's like this is so obvious. But um, you know, a lot of the a lot of the companies down here use public ticketing. So I had played with other people that had maybe never done escape rooms or maybe played like one or two. So I kind of had an idea how bad some people can be. And especially as a player, when it's not my job to make sure that this other player is having fun, it's kind of hard not to be like, excuse me, can you move? Like I can solve this if you'll just let me. <laughs> like as, as a player. You know, I'm, I try to be polite to the other strangers in the room. So, not my daughter. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. My my kids I, are fine, but uh, I yeah. I envy that. No, uh, no. I, well, I don't think you want to be the rude person in the room. <laughs> and and that's that is the hard part. And I think I've gone on. I my family for the very first time played with strangers, and they were not happy whatsoever. And it's and it's. And I, I think I'm going to cover this in another podcast. And it's not so much that we hate people. No, actually, my my wife works with people, and she <laughs> talk to people every day. I talk to them. Some of them are my best friends. <laughs> the people come over for dinner sometimes. But I think, but but my wife tends to be more in a not a. She's a nurse, and so she was really concerned about making sure everyone is is doing well and having a good time. And so when she's doing that, she's not really having a good time in the room because she's concerned about the other people. And so am I, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what? no, no, no. When I'm what? with strangers, not with you people. <laughs> oh, so now it's us people, <laughs> not people. just people. Yeah, no, no, it's like, <laughs> we know no how you way. really feel about people. If they're holding up a puzzle, you'll probably be like... Oh, yeah, no, I'll go in and help. But I think, I think it's more along the lines, I won't really worry if you guys are going to get mad at me. Does that make sense? Yeah, because we'll just hit you. You'll, or you'll just hit me, right? But I think, for example, Leader's a good example. She just wants the room solved. So she doesn't care who does it. Yeah, she's going to Boston. Yeah, so and... as long as the room gets solved, and as long as, and I think when we play, we're just happy when the room gets solved and things get, you know, I'm, if, if Ruby's like brooding a four digit combination, I'm going to say, no, I'm going to solve this properly. And I'm going, you brute that, man. <laughs> so but when you're with strangers you want to be nice to them and you want them to have fun especially if there's a difference in experience levels so when we have us and then you have newbies then for the most part we sit out unless nobody's solving anything then yeah then it's then it's hard 
what actually um, a little heartwarming story. One of one of the more recent games that I played, um, it was public ticketing, and we were stuck with another group. And as the course of the game went on, it it became really obvious that um, this was a, a single mother and her kid. Um, she was just she really really wanted him to have a ton of fun uh, in this experience. And so there were certain certain puzzles and certain activities that I knew, like, oh man, I got it. This is going to be so much fun. There was actually a shooting range that you had to go through um, in order to get this get this combination to a lock. And so, you know, I, I started it, but then I was like, man, I'm going to feel bad if I don't let this kid do that. <laughs> so I actually handed it off to him and let and let him uh, let him do most of it. So, and that was actually there were a couple of puzzles like that. So, yeah, and. Uh, at the end, the the mom actually comes up. She's like, "Thank you so much. I really appreciate that." And I was like, "Yeah, it's no problem." So, so it's not fun being it, with it strangers is- in the end. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna bring up that debate again. God, <laughs> it's a child. Some of my favorite games have actually been public ticketing. You know, um, oh, yeah. where I'm in a room with complete strangers. Um, one of the early games that I did uh, was uh, me and my girlfriend, and then this guy named Frank and his girlfriend. And he was like this genius. He was like, oh, yeah, I've done like 50 escape rooms. You know, this was years ago. And he was just like there were naval flags, uh, like diving, um, diving flags that you would use for like letters uh, hanging up on the ceiling. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, a lot of rooms use that as like, oh, you have to you have to translate. Right. And it gives you a message. And he just looks up there and says, this says blah, 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 blah. And we're like, what? It's like, oh, yeah, a lot of a lot of escape rooms do that. I just memorized it to make it faster. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so we got out of that room and like it was an hour long room. We got out in like 30 minutes. The the game master was like, what? Like, I don't know, man, Frank. That Frank. Frank. Thanks, Frank. Frank You're amazing. (laughs) Yeah. And I think when you have a room filled with people of the same experience level, then you'll all have fun. Yes, that is important. So actually, one of the things that I try to do as a game master, um, again, places use public ticketing down here. If I if during like pregame banter, I realize that there's a huge experience differential or skill differential between two separate groups that are going into the same room, I will rebook one of them oh, wow. because that nice. lowers the fun for everybody. Yeah. And it, I mean, I feel like it's if you're not doing that, you're kind of not doing your job. Because you're trying to make sure everybody, 100% of the people that go into that room, get as much enjoyment out of it as they possibly can. So, you know, if you know there's some factor that is going to lower the enjoyment level for all these people, then you need to correct that. Hmm. Hmm. So well, I don't that know how well the, the owners would feel about that. Yeah. I guess it depends on the owner and whether they'd go for that. Well, I mean, they're not losing any money and they're probably gaining good review. Like some of the bad, some of the worst reviews I've read from places around here are from exactly that, where they complain about the public ticketing model and how they were in a room with strangers and they didn't work well with those strangers. Like that is something that should have been fixed ahead of time. That is part of the user, the customer experience. And that's part of our job to fix. Like if you think like like anybody that's just like, oh, Game Masters, oh, they just take their money and they give them hints. Like anybody that thinks that, please don't open an escape room. <laughs> that's not it. No, I, I agree because I think for a lot of people, the Game Master can make or break the room. Yeah. 
I completely yeah. agree yeah. as well. <laughs> I mean, even from the very beginning, if they don't reset it right, then you've destroyed the room for the person, <laughs> yeah. right? And then if you're not paying attention to what they're doing or if they're asking for hints, if you're, if you're waiting around, it's been five minutes, we haven't had a hint yet, then that's it's pretty nasty, yes. Yeah, sometimes I'll give people like five minutes. Uh, it, it really depends on the group and where they oh, are yes. in the, in yeah. the room. Um, but one of my, this has actually happened a couple of times. One of my favorite things is if I'm really going fast trying to reset a room and I will lock a, a padlock in such a way that it's actually not locked. Like I won't close the latch. I'll just put the lock through the loop and close it, right? So it's open. You can just open it, but it's got a locked padlock on it. And the group doesn't realize it. And so they go the entire room and they don't open that lock until they have the key. And it's not until then that they realize that it's been open the whole time. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? That's probably something I'd do, actually. (laughs) (laughs) It's like 50-50 whether they notice it or not. And it's only happened a couple of times. I don't mean to say like this happens all the time. But a couple of times that it happened where they didn't notice, I'm like, yes. I think Mike is the type of enthusiast that always looks for those because mm. you work backwards all the time. You always look at the tech, and I think you're always the one that notices if something's open and it shouldn't be. Yeah, because I look at the big picture. Yeah, yeah. Mike's our big picture guy. <laughs> that is invaluable, I found, in my experience. Well, he's actually probably the backwards solver, which helps us. <laughs> be taken negatively or positively no, no, i don't no, no. know i'm not saying he's the negative man in the solving <laughs> you, world you know it's funny like playing with owners i find that a lot of owners play the same way yeah no i would think so because they made they're it. thinking about how it's being built so they think how to work backwards well yeah, yeah same sort of thing yeah and i think that's how you i don't know but every time we've played with you you've always thought how was it built and you work backwards from that the owner that um i'm good friends with that's how he plays yeah. <laughs> Actually, an interesting thing. So I play with a lot of owners and uh, we talk a lot. And just, I guess going back to more of the management role that you've taken in escape rooms, uh, one problem that I'm hearing more and more, even in like McDonald's, is that uh, game masters, they may be, or game masters, any employees, they suddenly ghost on their owners. So, <laughs> so right, all, of a, all of a sudden, they just won't show up at work and the owner is like, oh, crap. So we got a whole day of booking and this kid didn't show up. So um, I guess in your experience, especially in the managing, what kind of like signs do you see before somebody would do something like this? Young people. Of- <laughs> Young people nowadays. Yeah, we didn't like, have ghosting just, back in the day. They're what just posting that? it on social media, Instagram. <laughs> not going to work. Derpy do. What is that? And they Sorry. think it's okay. Maybe because I'm like 90 years older than the rest of you. I don't know what ghosting is or why this is a thing now (laughs) it's actually happened a couple of times at my own work (laughs) and i just don't yeah it has it's it's weird all of a sudden i thought it was just a dating thing i didn't think it was like a a working it's the new hr like issue it is all of a sudden just don't show up to work and they can't get a hold of you ever it's weird. I should you try would think it. that you can find them on social media, considering how much social <laughs> media. Social media. <laughs> Wait a minute. This is the exact same joke, like in another podcast we did. That's how stale we are. <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry. This was your question, but you know, yeah. I think no, I'm no, being I... a judgmental old man when I when I'm really confused no, this about is, this, this whole thing. This is a serious question. A lot of owners are like looking for like an answer to. So like. What kind of signs would you say that there are for these kind of things? Um, 
so I've never experienced it on my end. I've never had an employee just ghost me. And I've in, in any place I've worked, I've never seen an employee just ghost like that. Well, actually, I did see that a couple of times at Toys R Us. <laughs> but I, I suppose that that's sort of mentally related. Um, and so it's really hard with a broad brush. But what what I would guess is that there's not a lot of investment in the they they probably don't need the paycheck and they don't care about the job. And so there's no downside to just doing that. Right. And they don't care what sort of damage they may be doing to the hiring people that actually care about escape rooms. I can't imagine that would ever happen to an escape room owner. Do you know an o- of an owner that that has happened to? Yeah, yeah. We, we were talking <laughs> with them and then uh, it's funny because they brought it up because they got a call from another escape room and they're like, yeah, we, we saw on the guy's resume that he worked for you because the two owners are friends and they're like, would, would you recommend this guy? And then the owner's like, well, you know, he, he, was there. he when he was there, he worked pretty hard, but one day he just didn't show up. And, and then we've never heard from him again. <laughs> and he put it on his resume. Oh That is idiotic. So maybe just cut everything I just said. I don't know. Um, and in that case, like I don't I, I can't Yeah. Yeah. I, I can't read that guy's mind. But one of the things I would recommend to some of these owners, and actually one of the things so one of the things I'm studying is uh, workplace psychology. One of the like fundamental principles of of, of increasing um, uh, engagement in a job is to make that person feel like they are an invaluable part of a team. Because nobody likes feeling like they're like a cog in a Kafka esque machine, you know. Increasing investment in not like like actual monetary investment, but like a feeling of investment in the in the business is is important. I think if you maybe engage them and had them help build a room, then they. That's the funny thing. He did, he did. design he the room. The room. He, yeah. he was asking That's to design so a room. And then crazy. all of a sudden, it's he like, okay, he kind of designed the room. He he did an okay job. It wasn't uh-huh. the greatest. And all of a sudden, just, just left. after that, he's gone. Okay, forget it's like, that. what the heck? Well, I think young people are horrible. Are jerks. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I would be really interested in that specific case wow. because I, I wonder if there was some sort of argument that maybe was not talked about uh, or you know I, I i would be really curious to know the to know more details about that yeah like there were there were more stories leading up to that like there are other days when his mom would call in or something and be like he can't come in because it's snowing outside okay maybe that's a good indication <laughs> yeah when their mom calls <laughs> yeah because they're yes. too young if, no well no if, if he's like a 20 year old guy and his yeah. mom calls he's not feeling very well <laughs> no it was just it snowed it's outside. snowing he outside didn't she didn't oh, want him like, to go drive oh, wow. in the snow wow <laughs> wow errol's getting all old man on yeah <laughs> my day. i don't i don't i'm I don't, having an old man i don't <laughs> raise my children like i'm horrible now i'm already now judging other parents but, you know uh if my kids ghosted they're out of this house <laughs> <laughs> That actually sounds like a good addition to the seminar. I'm going to see if I can uh, find some research on that. Awesome. And uh, maybe add that in. Horrible people. What to do I, about I didn't realize them. I didn't realize that was such a huge problem yes. nowadays. Yes. Well, not in the escape room industry anyway. Yeah, it's just a general um, overall 
everywhere, every industry, HR departments are complaining that this has become the number one problem in the workplace. Number one right, problem. Right. Yeah. Wow. I, I knew about that, yeah. but just I, I wouldn't have expected that to seep into the escape room industry. I, I don't know. Maybe I just have rose colored glasses. I'm more baffled he put it on his resume. I'm so <laughs> baffled that he put it on his resume. It's like, true. And you don't think that escape room owners will talk? Yeah. I think he thought it was distance-wise far enough. I think this is a good reason <laughs> why escape room owners should be friendly with each other. Because yes. as they share employees... <laughs> is there like yeah. a Game Masters network? There should be. <laughs> uh, we, I mean, it's Game Masters will like, talk to each other... No, there's not a secret network. Isn't there a Uh, Facebook group? I thought there was a Facebook group. I could be wrong. I'm sure there is, but I'm not a part of it um, because I am not currently a Game Master, so I would feel kind of uh, Are you part of our Slack? uh, Oh, man. I am not part of your Slack. Why aren't you part of our Slack How come you're not part of our Slack? Errol, we don't don't belittle (laughs) the guests. I'm just wondering why they trolled the guests on our Slack because it's there. I I followed you on Twitter, Errol. What more do you want? Well, do you read my webcomic too? Oh my gosh, Errol. (laughs) Leave the man alone. Sorry, we should get back on track. Back to being an actual game master. Do you have any favorite stories from your game mastering days? I actually do have a couple of stories that are pretty amusing. so one of the one of the things that I learned is um, if you're having other game masters come and play your room, a lot of people will bring their expectations. So like, oh, this is how my company does escape rooms. So this is how every company must do their escape rooms. Mm-hmm. And bringing those assumptions sometimes has really bad consequences. And here, here's an example. So we had a room that would that had kind of just opened up like maybe a week prior. And some guys, I don't think they meant any any harm. I, there, I don't think there was any animosity. They weren't trying to break anything. But they they came from another escape room. They're like, hey, we heard you guys have this really cool new room and we, we want to play it. We're like, sure. Um, well, as it happened that that night, um, we were kind of short staffed. We had like every room running at the same time. And so we kind of, when that happened, you kind of have to prioritize, um, you know, what rooms you're going to pay the most attention to. And that's what's kind of hard as a game master. And it's something that I, I wish owners would kind of reconsider. Like, if you're going to have, if you're going to build your rooms to, so that one game master can run multiple rooms like Five Wits does, that's fine. Do that. But under, but make those decisions knowing what you're doing. Mm-hmm. But uh, they they came in, they were going through the rooms, and in their particular company, um, without naming any names, one of the things their company is known for is kind of separating props into two piles. They spend a, just a ton of money on super realistic props that are not supposed to be touched, and the game masters make it really clear to to customers that they're not supposed to touch that prop that it's just there for look and it looks great and one of the one of the complaints they get is like oh you know i really wish i could have used that prop in a in a puzzle or something like that right and then they have like their props that people use for puzzle solving right we did not do that so you know when they went in they were expecting that if they started messing with something they weren't supposed to we would stop 
and we're only like like vaguely paying attention because we had these other groups that were brand new that we were having to like handhold and we were like well they're game masters they're gonna solve this and be out in like 30 minutes yeah whatever one of the opening puzzles that this room starts really easy one of the opening puzzles is you open the door to a shed and straighten out a pickaxe that is on the wall to be in line with the other tool it's super simple because it's like i think the second puzzle in the room if i recall um they thought well if they're not going to stop us let's just take it off the wall and so they're walking around with an actual like you know 10 pound pickaxe (laughs) for the first 10 minutes of this room just like Hmm. I wonder where we're supposed to use this, man. This room is crazy immersive. Like, whew, this is this is intense. By the way, this is bolted. This pickaxe is bolted to the wall. Just by the way. Oh, they were like, able to take it out. Yeah, they they were able to take it out. We had our prop guy like fasten it to the wall in a way that could not be removed after this. <laughs> but um, yeah, they took it off the wall. And uh, we're walking around with it. And and finally, they buzz us in the control room. We, we had a system where, you know, they could request a hint. And they were like, hey, what do we do with this pickaxe? And we're like, what? What pickaxe? Pickaxe. You just you just turn it a little bit and then it opens the the door. Like, we thought that was obvious. And they're like, no, no, no. We After you get it off the wall. <laughs> and we're like, what? So we look at the cameras and lo and behold, they're walking around with our pick. Like, oh. Can you guys here? I'm going to just come in and put that back. You, you, you don't need that. So they go through kind of the whole room like that where they've, re- you know, there are certain puzzles that they just reverse engineered and were able to solve in record time because they kind of, un- like Mike said, um, they kind of know how the puzzle was, was constructed. So they know how to just trigger the mechanism without actually solving the puzzle itself. <laughs> there was a lot of that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, just that, that disconnect between like we were like, oh, they're game masters. They're going to be really good at this. And they're thinking like with their ideas of like, if we're doing something wrong, then they would say something. Definitely. Uh, we were kind of embarrassed after that one. We, we ended up uh, 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 letting them try another room for free uh, on a different day. So the reason the reason that like you didn't stop them was because you were busy with other we, customers. Yeah, we were busy with another group. Um, it, we had some we, the other two rooms that were running were, were new at the time. And so we were having to kind of babysit them and make sure they didn't do anything crazy. I think that's another question some people have is how many game masters do you need per room? Do you try to have one game master for two? Do you try to have one to one? I mean, of course, it all depends on the room. But I think in average, if if it looks like a room requires a dedicated game master, but on a if the if the team can do it, then you don't need the game master. But if the team can't, then you definitely need a game master. And then it's a risk. Do you keep- Exactly. Um, a lot of times you, you see a group and you're like, oh, you know, um, they're going to need a lot of help or they're not going to need any help. You know, a lot of groups, especially the more veteran groups, don't need hardly any help a lot of times. Um, only on like maybe the trickiest puzzles will they even need like a slight nut. Or the simplest puzzles. <laughs> oh, yeah. But... Um, it's hard to give a concrete answer. I think ideally you have one to one and you need to look at your room design as you're as you're designing your room to think like, OK, am I, do I am I going to design this room with the knowledge that it's that there's going to be somebody watching this the entire time? Because if that answer is no, 
if they're not going to be watching the entire time, then you definitely don't want to just have like, like steel pickaxes bolted to the wall that could, you know, potentially be removed. But you also don't want to have things like, like searching or things that would require a lot of hints that, you know, like, especially for you guys, you know, if you have searching in this room, then you may not want, did you, if you have a lot of searching in the room, you probably want to have a game master monitoring that the entire time because the feeling of not solving a puzzle because you didn't like lift up this one compartment to find this item you needed is really frustrating, as I'm sure you know. Yes. Yes. I know that one of our frustrations with like game masters in the past is when they come into the room and they ask, okay, where are you at? And, oh and and it's such yeah. an open-ended question that we're just like, like what do we tell you yeah <laughs> and then they try to explain and they say no no we did that part already and then you do this yeah we did that and then did you do this yeah yeah we did that actually uh so as a gm i i don't say this like i, I don't tell them this but i judge other gm really harshly <laughs> <laughs> um but uh one of the experiences that i will never forget and not for a good reason, is the theme is like a serial killer room. Um, you know, it's super dark. There's like blood on the walls. It's super scary. And all the puzzles are horror themed. We ask for a clue and the GM comes in the intercom and he's like, wow, you guys are doing really great. Okay, team. So what you need to do is, and we're like, what, what happened to your theme? <laughs> That's actually, I was, we're not doing, I was actually going to ask a, a related question, which was, um, yeah, I, I know that some game masters put on more of a role. Do you tend to put on like a role when you're when you're GMing to like uh build like to get them ready for the atmosphere? Absolutely. Um I, I think that a lot of companies don't do that, but I think that's really important to do um to sort of get them to let them know where they are, right? Um and uh, I go a, there's a lot of word count dedicated to this, a lot of time dedicated to this in the seminar about because that's the number one thing that drives me up the wall with other escape room companies is that they don't do a good job pre-game of getting their their customers in the right mindset and i think that's a huge like that is the fault of the game master but it's probably also like the fault of the owner slash designer for not giving them that expectation like you need to be doing this i agree um that that will like i can go and play an amazing room and reflecting back i'll be like yeah that was an amazing room but god that game master was just he could have done so much so yes uh unfortunately i I do judge other game masters really harshly that's okay errol judges puzzle designers really harshly everybody i judge posters oh i'm still like wow seen you so passionate about a subject in a while so shocked by it i'm not so much shocked because as i said before it has happened to some friends where they're where where they've their dating person ghosted and then we've had it happen a couple times different we don't need commitment (laughs) in dating no because like dating like those crazy kids you've heard of this like through however long people won't i don't know give a final end closure whatever because they're afraid of feelings or whatever but at a job is your responsibility you're getting paid oh no i I agree with you yes yes but you know dot 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 back to game mastering (laughs) (laughs) so going back to what you're i think you already gave uh the the outline of what you're talking about 
at the at the at the trans world, right? You're going to talk yeah, mostly yeah. from an owner's perspective on on how to from a game master's perspective. Oh, sorry, from a game master's perspective, but you're not going to talk mostly from how what owners should look for and how to properly treat their game masters. No, I uh, so it's going to be kind of all inclusive, all inclusive, and it, it it there's a ton of information, um, and I've had to actually pare down a lot of stuff like specific design tips, like design tips to help your game master. Some of that, some of that stuff I kind of had to cut because, you know, there was just, I, I would not have time to cover it. So you can cover that now. That's kind of interesting. What are your design tips to help your game master? <laughs> Julie, that's a great thing. So designers, pro tip, consider like your, where your camera placement is. Like if you have eyes and ears on, um, so the, the game master can be monitoring have a visible and this is good for just design like just in general this would be good even if it didn't help game masters because it gives groups a better sense of progress but have something in the room that gives a visual sense of how far they are in the room so for example um and this was in a lot of our room um was something that you know you have to get four pieces of whatever and put them, you know, put them in this order, and then it unlocks a thing. Or you have to get five symbols of whatever, so that we could just count, like look on the cameras, count, see what they don't have at a glance, and then know what to tell them, right? That helps a lot. And in in games where, you know, I use it, it, different companies I've worked for, it works differently. Like some, you really do have to go like step by step, because it's so open, it's such a, like, it's a non-linear game, and you have to be like, okay, so where are they? They've opened this. They have this. Did they get that? I can't. What's he holding in his hand? I'm not sure. But, you know, if you have a system where, like, once you get this item, you know to put this item on the wall to, like, activate something, then you can tell at a glance where a party is. Does that oh, make yeah. sense? Oh, yeah. Take, yeah. Makes That's total good. sense. Yeah. 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 And, I mean, that helps just from, like, a, like a player perspective so that the players know how far they are. Um, one of the things that kind of annoys me as a, as a player is, when I have, when I'm like, you know, we've got like 15 minutes left and two clues and I have no idea how far I've come in the room. You know, I'm like, okay, am I actually 15 minutes away from solving this? Am I like on the last puzzle? Am I super far behind? You know, it, that kind of frustrates me as a player. So it, it helps both parties. So yeah, that, that would be, that was the, that was one of the things that I had to cut. Uh, just talking about, you know, designing to help your game master. Um, also, it, just in terms of camera placement, it, having blind spots is not a terrible thing, but having a blind spot where you need to be able to see if they've done something is like really bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, that sounds obvious, but um, I, I've, I've seen it happen where they're like, where, not in any place I've worked, but I've talked to other game masters um, and they've been like, oh, yeah, that was a that's kind of a blind spot. We kind of just have to guess whether they've done that or not. I'm like, OK, <laughs> I would hate to work there. <clears throat> one of the more fun things I did in one of the more fun rooms I did in the Netherlands was the game master afterwards. It was a horror room and he actually took the camera footage that uh, had been monitoring us and, and showed us basically a highlights reel of our our <laughs> jump scare moments that'd be fun <laughs> it was a fun. lot of fun yeah <laughs> and i know uh 
Secret City Adventures here, the people who do scrap, they actually do, they did in a lot of their rooms, they would write down quotes of things they heard the players play, say, right. and then read it back to you. Is that All Secret right. City Adventures? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. They'll, they'll say like, "Oh, this person was MVP for." Yeah, whatever. and they'll do that, and, and they'll, so they'll it's most likely to be eaten by a zombie. Yeah, so yeah. they give highlights of where a person did well, which is great. So they did try to be positive of every player, and that was actually a lot of fun. They did do customer service quite well. I, I've had situations in which you know there's no audio for the room, so I have eyes but not ears. Ah. Um, that's actually, it's a lot harder to give a sort of a personalized experience than. Yes because you can't hear what they're saying. A lot of times, if, if I can hear what they're saying, I can even like refer to certain things that they've been talking to each other about, you know, and kind of make jokes with them about things. And that also gives me a sense of uh, what kind of jokes they make to each other. Yep. So, you know, I have a sense of maybe like what I can say that they'll kind of let me get away with, right? Mm, very true. <laughs> uh, yeah, and it also helps keep, I guess, track of their frustration levels as well, like in case you need to know how to approach the hinting. Yeah, body language will tell you that a lot. If people are just kind of sitting around and, you know, you can read some of that from body language. But yeah, having having ears definitely helps that as well. Um, It's really frustrating not being able to um, hear certain things that they're saying, because a lot of times you can before they do something people talking to each other, they're like, do you think this, you know, do you think this object moves? And you know, you're like, oh, crap, <laughs> they're about to try and rip that off the wall. So you can really quickly be like, uh, no, that, you know, pick up the walkie talkie or whatever, or, or God voice and be like, uh, no, that does not move. Please don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> the great thing of having audio, too, is then you can just hear how sarcastic we are getting with every puzzle, the more frustrated we get. <laughs> <laughs> we're, yeah. we're horrible um, you know enthusiasts are horrible people <laughs> some of them some of them um one of the most fun groups i ever had they played every one of our rooms they came in costume for every oh, room wow, you know if it's a if it's a if it's a prison break they came in in prisoner outfits <laughs> that's first actually i Good haven't heard much cosplayers. of that <laughs> yes i loved that like every time we we had their name memorized so if we ever saw a booking that had that name we'd be like oh, oh i'm working that day yes <laughs> yes because everybody wanted to be the person to handle their group oh that's fun man i all these like little st- story tidbits that i you know i i don't really i can't really like sling them out into you know like 10 minutes but related to that i actually gm'd a game for a very famous Atham. And the group that he was with uh, was like kind of really, really loud and obnoxious. And at first, you know, his he had his agent come in and was like, uh, do you have a booking under this name? I was like, uh, yeah, yes, sir. Yes, sir, we do. Uh, is that your group? It says you have a group of uh, eight here and it's just you. He's like, no, I'm just making sure. And then he like picks up a phone and he's like, yeah, they're ready. <laughs> I'm like, what in the world? And then like, in walks this humongous guy and i'm like okay he plays for some team and i, I actually had to google him because i didn't know who he was either but uh yeah pretty pretty big name and uh he was so much fun uh he was a huge escape room enthusiast and had played games all over the place like every time he traveled he tried to play a game um he played like in vegas san francisco everywhere uh luckily loved our rooms 
uh, happily, but uh, he was really into it and his group kind of wasn't. So uh, like during that, during the intro, they would be like talking and, you know, just totally distracted. And at one point he actually turns around. He's like, will y'all shut up? (laughs) So was, uh, were, was his group randoms or were they his, his friends? Oh no, they were his friends. Okay. Oh yeah. That's good. Yeah. I don't think, (laughs) um, we actually had some people that were passing by, you know, when, when we were having him just kind of, uh, in the lobby while we were, um, during a little bit of downtime, we two people actually recognized him from outside, came inside, was like, oh, my God, can I get a picture? It, that was it was really interesting. I, I thought I would have thought that it would have been the other way around. Right. Like he would not have been the nicest guy in that group, but he totally was. It was an awesome experience. Nice. Poor guy he just wanted to do an escape room and just <laughs> brought his friends for like bodies in the room and they just completely wrecked his experience. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yes. <laughs> he knows what's important, not sports. <laughs> <laughs> Remember earlier when we should have been recording for fun, you did want to bring up one point from an old yeah. podcast. Oh, yes. So um, while I was listening to your podcast where you had um, the guy from uh, up, uh, up the Game talking about uh, narrative and escape room design, you kind of had this like 10 minute intermission where you talked about why Errol plays escape room. <laughs> and I thought, and I thought to myself, well, that's obvious. He's a challenge based player. And Manda is a narrative based player. Duh. Um, but I, I realized like, wow, I wonder how many people have ever heard of Mark LeBlanc and his eight kinds of fun. Um, so I actually wrote up this uh, whole article where I go through the eight kinds of fun. Uh, he's a game designer from the, uh, 2000 and he tried to he did formalize the eight different types of fun that people play games and this is mark leblanc his name is mark leblanc and he made this thing for the eight kinds of fun especially in relation to video games i actually got him confused with mark blank and dave lebling notice there's a in there and mark blank you know and those two guys (laughs) they actually wrote infocom games that's why i was really confused and then because i i also remember reading this somewhere and it was on an i don't did you release that article because maybe i read i can't remember if you answered that question i have i have not released this article yet because i read it somewhere somebody was talking about the eight kinds of fun and if anybody is interested, you can look up Mark LeBlanc, and there's eight of them, obviously. There's Sensation, <laughs> and that's like Dance Dance Revolution. Uh-huh. There's Fantasy, exactly. obviously, like Zelda. Narrative, which Mando really likes. Walking simulators are huge into narr- narrative. There's Challenge, really hard games, like X-Wing. Oh, my goodness, way back the original. Regardless. Then there's Fellowship. That's probably people who like being with each other. It's like World of Warcraft. Discovery, mm-hmm. where you try to find stuff mm. like Tomb Raider, I like Uncharted. I like Discovery too. Yeah. There's expression. That's where you're being creative in the game. That's a lot of crafting games like Minecraft. And finally, submission. What? <laughs> <laughs> game of past <laughs> times. Farming and grinding as a core element. I'm glad yes. you explained that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I make the joke in the article. Um, even if your escape room takes place in a dungeon. Submission is not a type of fun you're providing. <laughs> um, yeah, so submission is like the antithesis to an escape room. It's, you know, my, you're trying to tune out, basically. It's like 
I don't know, like watching like Law and Order or something. It's like watching Errol mine in Terraria. I so. will. I for some yeah. yeah. <laughs> when I go to the beach, I sit and dig holes. That's what I like to do at beaches. <laughs> oh, this is oh a scene for me. You and digging, I guess. Yeah, you just no, missed your calling. Like if, if there's <laughs> a, I want to dig. Natural state. Yeah, just I'll dig, dig and dig and You're see a how. Diglet. Diglet. Oh, Oh, yeah, you can call me Diglett. Or Squirtle. (laughs) Squirtle's a turtle. (laughs) No, you're a Diglett. (laughs) Sorry, where were we? Anyway. He he later took this sort of, uh, uh, this framework, the eight kinds of fun, and it got worked into a um, paper called Mechanics, Dynamics, Aesthetics, where they talk about the mechanics of the game, like the rules the designers put out, influence the aesthetic, excuse me, it influences the mechanics, which is how you play that game, and that influences the aesthetic, which is the 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 fun that you're. Having. Everybody's talking about like oh narrative and escape rooms and how do we put more narrative. Well, from my perspective, it's like well look, you're using the mechanic of you're being timed on how fast you can escape. You're not you can't put trying to put narrative in that is not going to work because you're saying from the get go. You just need to get out as fast as possible. Yep, I would agree with that. One of the things you have to do is either like lengthen that time constraint and make it to where escaping is not the primary focus, I think was literally one of the verbatim things that that he suggested, which is completely right. Um, You know, a lot of people, you're trying to like give an intro or present some piece of exposition like, hey, look at the story. And people are just like, no, I'm just going to go solve that puzzle, man. I, I don't care. <laughs> like you hear that all the time. And that's why, because you've told them up front, get out as fast as possible. They're not going to stop to read your story. <laughs> I will. I won't. No. <laughs> <laughs> Even if I'm doing nothing, I've already tuned out. I so I know. I, yeah, yeah. It's really bad. And then I get like super blamed if I happen to not have read something. <laughs> or you mess one thing. Who's <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, Poor man, Pam. It's like not blaming the people who just didn't also not read it. No, well, no but that's not our job, oh. right? Right. Wow. <laughs> wow. Okay. Um, one of the you know one of the coolest games that I've actually that I've that I've played that played on this narrative aesthetic was um, Papers Please. Oh Have you yeah. Guys oh that? yeah. Yes. yes. Yeah, um, you know, it, it is timed and it has a rich narrative, but they it's not like your objective is to, you know, process as many people as possible. You know, they kind of give you you can kind of choose your own objective, right, without spoilers. But one of the objectives is keep all of your family healthy. You know, so you have you have to make these really hard choices like, oh, do I accept this bribe from this guy? You know, do I am I trying to be a good person? Do I let this guy slide even though his passport has expired or you know things like that it forces you to make these really hard choices that makes this really engaging gripping narrative but it's because they are confronting you with these choices and they're not just like oh process as many people as fast as possible and that's all that matters which is what is a lot of escape rooms i think that's a sid meyer quote too basically a game is a set of interesting choices if i remember interesting decisions well, currently, like a lot of people in escape rooms are like, why don't they care about my story? Well, <laughs> is your primary thing uh, we're timing you get out as fast as possible? Or oh, maybe well, it's I just couldn't imagine good. why. Or maybe the story is bad. 
That too. <laughs> or, yeah. yeah, that too. I've encountered that as well. Anyway, <laughs> I think we're almost near the end of things, so we should wrap it up. So where people, where can people find you? Is there, do you have an online website or hope to? Um, I'm in the process of getting one, um, but you get, you can follow me on one true at one true. You can, I'm pretty active on the Facebook group. And you have a, you have a seminar coming up. Yes. And the seminar coming up is at, in national, it's how to unlock your game master's potential, where I talk about a variety of subjects. Um, basically it's my experience as a manager, game master, and enthusiast, and how companies can use their uh, human resources for the maximum possible impact. And you, you asked me a question earlier about whether it's kind of like from owners to GMs or just maybe a collection of GM tips. It's all of the above. So, and there's going, we're even going to delve into uh, legal issues and um, there will be an attorney on present to answer any questions that I can't because I don't want to get myself in trouble by saying something that is wrong. <laughs> Sounds great. Thank you, Russell. Thank you guys so much. I'm, it's re- I'm really happy that we got the whole group together, even if, uh, even if there is somebody doing a, a final project. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, she's been listening and she even asked a question. That was pretty impressive. You know, doing homework and and hosting podcasts. I couldn't do that. I can't even pay attention to the podcast while I'm thinking about video games they ask me about. It 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 was it was hard, (laughs) I will say. Um another another uh pro tip that I wanted to mention earlier, always bolt down your furniture in an escape room. Yeah. Uh we learned really early that um people will stack furniture on top of each other to see if there is something in the ceiling. If you don't do that, so wow. uh, bolt, bolt that down. I've seen it firsthand. <laughs> so have we. <laughs> so you want to talk us out, man, Pam? Sure. Room Escape Divas is brought to you by Inverse Genius. You can go to inversegenius.com to find other fun podcasts just like this one. Stop it. Stop it now. What's he doing? I don't know. He's under the table. Ugh. You can also. Oh, you look creepy. <laughs> You're actually. Well, nobody's wearing dresses or skirts. <laughs> That's it, Mike. Talk us around. <laughs> I can't. Errol broke because of the. Okay. You can also email us at roomescapedivas at gmail.com. <laughs> Almost there, man, Dance. <laughs> what is Errol, he doing? Come on. Okay. <laughs> uh, like us on Facebook. Uh, Twitter is hashtag R-E-D-Bus. Oh my god, I think Errol broke me today. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Bye bye. You don't have to go yet. Goodbye. Nothing. I know. I was like, you know what would be super effective? I'm just gonna duck. That's all I'm gonna do, and let's see if that would just play in man. But that's what I was wondering. Poor Russell. He's like, what the heck's going on? I have. I have no idea what's going on. Neither do we.